McCord State Farm Studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry. We are uh, a little light this week. You know, sometimes we'll we'll throw in a couple others and it'll be Podcast Rebellion XXL. Where we're just, you know, we're probably just Podcast Rebellion L tonight. Uh, myself and Austin Gray are here. Uh, ben and Nick both had uh, previous engagements that they are enjoying tonight, so they are not with us. Um, but have no fear. Austin and I are going to pick all of the games and we're going to give you locks, and Ben and Nick were so kind to provide locks for us. So we will give you 12 like we always do, despite them not being in attendance. Before I welcome Austin in, I do want to remind you of the sponsors that make this show possible. I mentioned we are in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. You know by now, if you need good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, go ahead and give Davis a call. He's your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around and give Davis a call, 901-755-6110. Podcast Rebellion is also brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, across from Kroger. Don't even go over to Kroger. Don't even look at Kroger. Go over to LB's for all of your protein needs, and if you do so today, tell them that you're a listener of this podcast. Tell them you read Red Cup. Tell them you like Red Cup. Tell them you drink out of Red Cups here and there. Greg and the folks at LBs are going to hook it up. $20, you get a 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage. All you got to do is just tell them that we sent you, and they will hook it up. That is a hell of a deal for a dinner for one, for two, probably for three. $20, 16-ounce prime strip, and a pack of sausage for $5. Greg and the folks, the inaugural sponsor of this here show, give you that. They also are doing plate lunches again every Thursday, fresh fish every Thursday. Go see them, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford for all of your protein needs for football season. Podcast is also brought to you by Sola on South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Happy hour, three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one Moscow mules. They are bringing the best and brightest to you in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out at solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. Austin, good evening. How are you? I'm good, man. What's up? I, uh, you know, it's normal at this point in the season, I think, to have a little attrition. And I think we're experiencing mm-hmm. that tonight. We got two two guys short on the roster. Um, yeah. Next man up, though. We're gonna, yeah, we're, we're battle, gonna keep battling for it. That's right. Just, just you know, your your normal wear and tear. Just some, just some, uh, some dings. Um, nothing too serious. They'll be back uh, next week. So uh, they're getting rested up for week five. Big one for Ole Miss in week five. We'll get to that next week. Uh, but first, let's recap week three. Austin, you had yourself a nice one. We were talking about before we started. You were flirting with 3-0 and and just cruising into week four, but uh, Virginia kind of withered away in that one, North Carolina, with a uh, pretty sizable comeback there. Uh, ben was 1-2. and two. Uh, <laughs> He took the under at Delano Miss. That didn't hit. God. Yeah. Man, so we were it, trading texts during that game. At one point, the live line, the live <laughs> total was 110. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and then, look, I, I missed it. I think we all agreed with him. I think we all missed it. I think everybody oh, for thought sure. Georgia Southern would cover the 24. We thought Arkansas would 
would just kind of sleepwalk through that one, getting ready for this week's game against A&M. They did not. Georgia Southern is very bad at football, um, so that one missed. And then Nick, uh, we almost had two guys go 3-0. Nick, um, unfortunately, did not get Mississippi State minus three as the Memphis Tigers upset them. And then I was uh, pulling up the rear with Ben. We were hand-in-hand, both one and two. Notre Dame hit for me. I was all over that one. But, man, Oklahoma laid a giant egg in Northwestern. My God, I told someone it was uh, – we had some some friends over on Saturday, and I told someone that was there that that was the easiest bet of the day. And Duke just beat the hell out of Northwestern. Yeah, not so fast, says David Cutcliffe. So through three weeks, I'm doing some quick math here. Let's see, 14, 19, and 16 right now as a team. So we're we're doing all right. We're you know we're still in the black. Yeah, we're treading water. That's solid. We'd like to bump it yeah. up a little bit this week, but uh, you know, better than sixteen to nineteen, I guess. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into it. We'll go SEC first, like we always do, and then we'll bounce around throughout the country. Saturday morning, eleven a.m. Central Time, SEC Network, number two, Georgia at Vanderbilt. Do we uh, do we even really want to do this one? Um, and in just typical fashion here, I don't even have the lines pulled up. So that's good. Real quick. Hang there. Hang there with me. Um, I, we don't even really need to know the Let's number. Let's see. I think I've got it. It's 35 last I saw. But let me check again. There yeah, it is. 35 with a total of 53. So you can get it as high as 35 and a half, as low as 31. And then, yeah, total 55 and a half. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm inclined to lay them, as we would say. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really just a matter of whether Georgia wants to go in on Vandy, um, not really <laughs> about whether Vandy can do anything about it. Um, yeah. You know, Vandy may be done with their wins for the season, by the way, and I'm on them. <laughs> might be. Yeah, so I took their under three and a half win total for this season at the beginning of the year. I feel pretty good about that right now. Looking good, yeah. Yeah. Um, does Vandy score here? If, if I had Dude, to bet I, this, <sighs> you have to go under, right? I mean, yeah, does Georgia win like 48 nothing? Yeah, 42 to nothing. They get out of there. No injuries. Just keep it moving on to the next one. I, I, if I was Georgia, I wouldn't even play JT Daniels. No, there's no reason to. If, if he's still hampered, um, there's there's no reason. I mean, just Stetson Bennett can hand it off. It's fine. I mean, they could exactly. have the fucking water boy hand it off. Um, all right, so moving on. We don't need to spend any time on that one. Uh, this one's kind of fun. Um, still don't really know what to make of this one. 11 a.m. ESPN. The big one, the mothership. LSU at Mississippi State. LSU, I'm seeing, whoo, you can get it as low as minus two. And then the total, uh, as low as 53 and a half, as high as 57. If it's at two, I think I'm going to lay the points for LSU because that's a low enough number to where, I mean, that's almost like a number that you would tease it at. Um, Because, like, Vegas Insiders had it. At minus four, everybody else is two, two and a half. Um, So I've gone back and forth on this one because I don't think LSU is very good and I don't think State's very good. And I typically lean quarterbacks here. Mm -hmm. I don't really know who I trust more in 
Max Johnson versus Will Rogers, but I think I'm leaning LSU here just because of the athletes. And as dumb as he is, I think Ed Ordron can kind of coach him up on defense to play hard. Mm-hmm. I think that LSU is going to drop seven or eight and just try to make Will Rogers dink and dunk a seven, eight, nine yard drive or nine play drive to score. Because as you know, Mississippi State doesn't run the ball. They hardly ever try and they don't do it well. So it's not like they can gash LSU if they drop into coverage. So I think the athletes keep them in front, tackle in space, and LSU wins a weird one. 28 to 26 or, or 28, 24, something like that for a cover. Um, so if, it, if I'm getting two, if, if I'm, if LSU's laying two, I'm, I'm laying them. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. It feels really sharp to me. Um, I think, uh, I think what you said about the, the, that, that final is where I'm leaning. And in fact, considered locking it there because 57, if I can get 57, this feels like a dead under for me. I mean, State's offense has is, is really not been effective against anybody with the pulse. You know, NC State kind of gave that game away to Mississippi State. And in fact, you know, you could argue that last week's fluky loss against Memphis for State was kind of just football karma for their win against NC State the week prior. Uh, kind of a ball don't, ball don't lie situation. But mm-hmm. um, State's defense is still really good, though. So I've got serious doubts about whether LSU can move the ball against State. And State's offense is sort of inherently, you know, they sort of play this this death by a thousand cuts approach or style anyway. You would think that LSU learned after last year's game that you you, you can't just man up and let uh, Mike, Lease, Mike Leach uh, slice and dice you. So I think you're going to see exactly what you said, Zach, a lot of zone out of LSU, a lot of drop eight or cover three. Um, they're going to force everything underneath and just try to make tackles in space. Assuming their coaching staff does that, I can't see State moving the ball very well either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a really intriguing game. Um, I, I, I think you're right. I think this plays in the 20s. And if, even if we say it's a 28, you know, 27 nail biter, it still goes under 57. So I'm not going to lock it in quite yet, but I may – circle back to that i think it's kind of a snoozer honestly i I don't i don't think you're going to see a lot of fireworks it's an early kick um both of these teams uh, aren't great um i'm interested to see if lsu fans make the trip at all to start well i doubt that they do i'm interested to see what state's home crowd looks like because you know after that loss to memphis last week i suspect you're going to see some folks checking out um, but maybe not. It is conference play, so I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm with you though. I, the, the line is is sharp, but the total I, I'm I'm leaning under hard. Yeah. All right. Next one. Also at 11 a.m. ESPN two Missouri at Boston College. Boston College a little bit of a surprise here. Undefeated. Um, you can get it at kind of all over the place. Um, Bet MGM has Missouri minus one and a half. Um, pretty much everybody outside of Vegas Insiders has it BC minus one. Total as high as 61 and a half, as low as 58. You know, I, I was a big believer in Missouri preseason. I like Connor Basilak. I, you know, as goofy as he is, I think Eli Drinkwitz is a good coach. They have looked kind of assy the last couple mm-hmm. weeks, and yeah. I like Boston College here. I think Boston College wins. 
Um, I mean, if you're looking at most books here, you know, I think they went outright. Um, everybody but Vegas Insiders has them as the underdog here. Um, I would probably go BC to win this one in 58. That's close. I mean, I would say possibly go over, but either way, I like BC to win this one. Okay. So not only do I disagree, I want to lock in. I want to lock in Mizzou minus the one or one and a half, whatever the number is. I I completely agree with your point that Mizzou hasn't exactly set the world on fire over the last couple of weeks. Um, And I think their loss against Kentucky probably doesn't bode well for them going forward, given that Kentucky struggled to beat uh, Chattanooga. So um, I don't really know what that says about Mizzou. Nothing good, obviously. But um, having said all that, Boston College is on their backup quarterback. Their starter, uh, Phil Dracovic, is out for the year with a broken hand. So we're getting BC's backup here. And Boston College, I'm not sold completely on Mizzou, but I have no reason to think that Boston College is actually any good at all. Boston College has beaten Colgate to open the season. They beat UMass's backup quarterback. But in the process, they allowed UMass to score 28 points against them. And then they beat Temple's backup quarterback last week. And Boston College only put up 28 points against Temple. So um, I just think I give me the SEC athletes against Boston College, although I like Boston College's head coach. And their roster is not terrible. If Dracovic were playing, I could probably be talked into a Boston College bet here. But without him, I think Mizzou has a superior roster, the far better quarterback. Um, Mizzou's defense has some holes. I just don't know that Boston College can do anything to exploit those weaknesses. And oh, by the way, Boston College has Clemson next week. So maybe a little look ahead there, maybe a little anticipation to see if uh, they can knock off the bully on the block in the ACC and Clemson on October 2nd. So, um, all those uh, factors point to Mizzou for me. So let's just get in and get out. Let, let's call it uh, 33-30 Mizzou. Um, squeaker of a cover there, but I just think Mizzou's a better team right now. Yeah, that's uh, breaking news for, for me over here. I had no idea that uh, Chukovic was out, so that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. Could come back maybe by late in the year, but definitely out for this one. So you do have Mizzou going into Chestnut Hill. And winning at Alumni Stadium. Okay. As long as this is not like the red bandana game or whatever, I think it's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I actually, yeah, I, I love that pick now that Dracovic's not playing because, yeah, I don't know who's going to throw it to Trey Barry, um, who's having a monster year as a tight end. So that stings for Ole Miss. Um, mystery tight end. Yeah, mystery tight end. All right, next one. Three, two thirty CBS game. Central time. This one should be kind of fun. Maybe it might be a snooze fest just by who's playing in it. Number seven, Texas A&M taking on number 16, Arkansas at Jerry world. Um, I'm seeing it as low as four and a half A&M's way. And the total um, as low as 44 and a half and as high as 47. Um I pretty much am just going to take the, I would say take the under and would go A&M here. I don't really know if Arkansas really has the horses right now to really compete at a high level against this Texas A&M defense. Um, KJ Jefferson 
look, he had a day last weekend, but that was against Georgia Southern. I don't know if he can be that effective throwing the football against this defense that Texas A&M has. I think this is going to actually just be a game where it's just just a good old-fashioned rock fight where both teams are running the football. Um, I like a low-scoring win for A&M here. I think that they can cover. I I think I have them winning by 10. I'm with you on on both A&M and on the under. Um, Look, I've been down on Arkansas all year, and they continue to make me look foolish uh, week in and week out. But eventually, I think the horseshoe up their ass falls out. Um, K.J. Jefferson is not an SEC-quality quarterback when when forced to throw the ball. The problem for his opponents, for Arkansas's opponents so far this year, is that none of them have been able to force Arkansas to get into a track meet or to shut down their run game. Um, Texas's defensive line just got absolutely exposed. Arkansas ran wild on them. I think they ran for 350 in that game. Um, Rice is Rice, obviously, and Georgia Southern is Georgia Southern, so not really worth commenting on there. But um, I like we like to play, you know, compare the line in in our analysis sometimes on the pod. So, do you remember what the Texas line was, Zach? So, oh, I do not. Texas was a six-point favorite at Arkansas. Okay, now I know how the game turned out, but that's really irrelevant for for the purposes of this comparison. So, Texas was a six-point favorite against Arkansas at Arkansas, and now Texas A and M is only a four and a half-point favorite on a neutral. I, yeah, somebody's gonna have to explain that. I, that's suggesting that Texas is a little better than A and M, and I don't believe that. Uh, I think A&M's defense is a legit, like, top five defense in the country. They may be right behind Georgia, as in, like, the second best defense in the country. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think Arkansas is going to be able to move the ball on the ground. If they can't move it on the ground, they're going to have to rely on K.J. Jefferson to throw the ball, and I think at that point they're going to get in trouble. I know that A&M's got its own quarterback issues and offensive line injuries as well, but – I trust Jimbo to figure it out on that side of the ball. And now, you know, the backup is at Calzado. Um, Mm -hmm. He's had a couple games to figure it out. I know he did not look great against Colorado, but he kind of had to jump in there unexpectedly and without, you know, real prep for that game. Um, Looked pretty good against New Mexico. I know a lot of people do look good against New Mexico, but he did what he was supposed to do in that game. Um, I think they're going to have some success with their tight ends, maybe not downfield vertically, but they're going to be able to move the chains enough to stay on schedule. And then they're going to lean on their defense to just shut out Arkansas down. I think you're right here. Uh, A&M covers game goes under. If you can get a 47 or a 48, I like the under a lot. I think it's, it's like what? 27, 17 A&M. That feels right to me. All right. Let's move on. I believe the next SEC game that we have here on the slate, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this one, 3 o'clock at uh, SEC Network, Georgia State at Auburn. The line is minus – you can get it as low as minus 23. The rest are looking – like I said, opened at minus 23. It is now at minus 27. Uh, I'm laying those. Auburn should bounce back from that tight loss and happy Valley and roll here. Yeah. You got to think Auburn was encouraged by that. I know it was a loss and they went in fully expecting to win the game and because they're that type of program with a really good coach, but um, still had a really good showing and maybe the most hostile, uh, you know, road environment of the season so far this year. Um, 
I'm with you. They, you can only lay the points here. Georgia State's been pretty disappointing. They they should have been or both were believed to be a, a scrappy um, Sunbelt team at the beginning of the year, and that really hasn't ever materialized. So, yeah, I think our Auburn rolls. All right, we'll do uh, another quick one here before we move into a juicy one on the SEC side of things. At 6.30, Southern Miss at Alabama. I'm seeing the line. It's a big one. Um, oh, minus 45. Um, the total, 58 and a half. You can get it as low as 58. 45 is a ton of points. This one's kind of similar to what we were talking about with Georgia. Does Southern Miss even score? How much is Alabama even trying to do on offense a week before their showdown with Ole Miss? Um, I actually think that Southern Miss can cover here. Maybe Will Hall gets spunky and gets at least one touchdown, and this is a 49-7 win for Alabama, something like that. I'm not going to put any money on it or even think about locking it up. I mean, Alabama first half line has been undefeated for a long time. I think the number's 28 there. I would probably bet that. Um, Yeah, Alabama's obviously winning the game. I would take the over. And I think Southern Miss can cover this, though. Yeah, I would lean to the points there. That's just a giant number. And Southern has a pulse. I mean, they're not the Southern, you know, of the late 90s or early 2000s or anything like that. But they're also not an FCS team. And as you Mm -hmm. said, you would think that Saban and O'Brien try to keep it relatively vanilla on offense with a giant game on deck. Um, I think Bama's defense is really good, but they kind of got exposed last week and the run game particularly. I'm interested to see if Will Hall has figured something out or can figure something out on the edges. Now, look, Southern's personnel is not like Florida's personnel. Um, they don't have the horses. But as you said, if if Will Hall can put a touchdown on the board or maybe get you know, 13, 14 points, I think it's an easy cover because I don't see Saban getting into the 50s in this game. There's no reason to. Um, so if I've got to bet it, give me the points. But you know, if you're putting real money on this uh, – we <laughs> you seek help. Yeah. All right. Um, Kentucky, South Carolina. This one seems like it could get a little squirrely. I would probably hmm, total is at 48, as high as 48 and a half. I feel like I'm leaning under here. Kentucky minus four and a half. I think Kentucky covers and it's a low scoring, boring game. That's the only Luke Doty's finally getting the start. I was really starting to question the intelligence of those in charge of that football program. If they were going to trot out Zeb Nolan again, but Doty starting, he gives them something on offense. Um, South Carolina's defense is quietly really, really good. So maybe they slow down Kentucky and Levis a little bit, but I think Kentucky wins this one. They cover the under here might be a little dicey. It's only 48 and a half. Um, I would probably, now that I think about it, lean over. I'm thinking Kentucky might win this one. Something like 
like 31-21 type win. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think I lean Gamecocks here. I just don't know that Kentucky's really done anything to, to warrant laying more than the three or four, you know, those two key numbers, laying those numbers on the road in an SEC road environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Carolina hasn't looked great, but they've also not had their starting quarterback for most of the season and have, in fact, been playing, as everybody knows by this time or at this point, a, uh, a grad transfer or grad assistant, I should say, yeah. quarterback. Um, so um, Doty is a major upgrade there. And while I don't think Doty's got the best arm in the conference or anywhere close to that, he is really mobile and super athlete. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to look a little bit like John Rice Plumley, actually. And if Carolina can get a little creative on that side of the ball, I think they can stay in this game. I like your over there. I think it's a sneaky over game. I know Carolina's uh, defensive line has been really good, but Kentucky with Levis has, uh, for the first time in forever, you know, been willing to throw the ball downfield and, and push pace a little bit. So I think this one could could maybe get into the 30s with Carolina hanging around and having a shot at the end. I think maybe 31-28 Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I think uh, – I don't know what the first half line is, but maybe Carolina hangs in there. Maybe you take a look at that one um, just to make things interesting early. And then Kentucky kind of pulls away late. Um, Yeah, I cannot remember his first name, but I think his last name is Enagbari, Enagbare for South Carolina. Probably one of the better pass rushers in the country right now. His, um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember the stat that PFF uses. Um, Maybe it's like the, disruption rate or uh, pass rush, whatever. He's up there top five in the country right now. Nobody can seem to block him. Kentucky's known to have a good offensive line the last couple of years with Stoops, so that'll be a good matchup to watch if you're uh, looking for something to watch during this game because it won't be super high flying. But I like I like that I like that pick. I like South Carolina hate around here. Well here's the other thing too, man. For years we've we've grown accustomed to Kentucky having a really rock solid defense, you know, maybe not elite or top tier, yeah. but you know, certainly not bottom of the pack and and pretty salty. This year, that's really not been the case. This is the first time in a while that on that side of the ball, they may be average or below average. So, I think South Carolina can can have some success at least in the run game, um, and maybe Doty, you know. Hits one over the top after play action. Um, you could sneak a tight end out or a wheel route with a back or something. Um, yeah, he made just, some really good throws downfield against Georgia. Yeah, he did. And and forty eight's a low number in college. Too. I mean, you're talking average college totals fifty six. So forty eight's well below that. I think that's you know, you're asking for for both defenses um, to play really well for not no turnovers, you know, no block punts, nothing crazy. I'm not sure if I'd bet that. All righty. Last one of the day before we hit our break, probably could be one of the more entertaining games of the day. Tennessee at number 11, Florida, 6 p.m. ESPN. Uh, The line opened at 17 and it has moved to as high as 19. You can get it as low as 18 and a half. Uh, the total is up to 63 and a half. I said this earlier today that the play here is Tennessee first half. Um, and I need to double check what it was. I think it's 10 and a half. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on, scrolling. 
scrolling. Yep. 10 and a half, I think is the last I saw it. So it might've shifted, but yeah, Tennessee first half, I think right there, kind of similar to the South Carolina uh, first half line that I was alluding to on the last game. I think Tennessee hangs around early. The defense has been pretty solid, um, mm-hmm. but Josh Heupel in that offense is just kind of a disaster right now. I don't know who's playing, if it's Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones. I think that Dan Mullen and them found something last week with Emory Jones, and they were able to really give Alabama a scare. Their defense is elite. Their front seven is as good as anybody in the conference. I think they just eventually are just too physical and just too much for Tennessee. Um, I like Tennessee to cover, but I think Florida wins handedly, probably like 36-20, something like that. Um, I think – Vegas is kind of wanting this game to be much more than it will be because I just don't think Tennessee is very good. So I like your first half angle there because I think you're tapping into something that we know to be real, which is the Bama hangover effect. Um, Mm -hmm. Not only psychologically, but physically. I mean, literally, you know, you get beat up when you play Bama, even really good teams like Florida. Um, And I think the fact that they were so close to beating Bama, you know, can probably be demoralizing. In some ways, you'd rather lose by 30 than two, right? Because, you know, 30, you can chalk it up and move on. You just throw the film away. You lose by two. You got to think there's a little bit of a hangover there. You play the what if game all week, you know. Um, this look, this is one of those where it's hilarious to me that we continue to call this game a rivalry. What is it? It's four to fourteen and one over the last fifteen in this game. I think is the stat. Um, I know that Tennessee will be sky high for it, and Hypo will think of this as you know an opportunity to get a signature win in his first year with the program. Um, I just don't see it. I think Florida's got the horses, man. They can lean on UT. Um, so as the game goes on, I, I'm with you, Zach. If you're going to bet the balls, I think you got to do it first half. I think it could get away from them in the second half. I mean, Florida ran for about 250 yards against Bama last week. Um, if they want to run the ball on every play against Tennessee, I, you know, I don't know that Tennessee's going to be able to do much to stop it down the stretch. Um, I don't think Mullen's going to want to prove a point. Uh, again, I think he's probably licking his wounds. Probably doesn't want to get guys injured. So I don't see them going all out here, balls to the wall for the entire game. Um, that's a funky number, that 18 and a half, I think is where it's at now. It's a, that's mm-hmm. basically just a dead number between 17 and 21. Um, so I'm with you. If you like Tennessee, you bet on first half. Um, I couldn't lay the 18 and a half with Florida. If I had to bet the full game, I guess I'll take Tennessee, but I would have no confidence in that at all. All right, that'll do it for the SEC in week four. When we come back from the break, we will talk the rest of the country and give our locks. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? 
All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost Grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going... Be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the Rooftop Bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold, classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice, and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. (laughs) 
And we are back here, Podcast Rebellion. Zach Barry, Austin Gray with you, Legal Gambling Council. All right, Austin, let's get into the rest of the national slate. We're going to go through and kind of pick around some of the really good games on Saturday. We're going to go back to the morning slate. Big noon kickoff here, 11 a.m. Central Time. Notre Dame, number 12 in the country. Wisconsin, number 18, at Soldier Field. It opened at 47.5 total, minus three Wisconsin. It is now up to as high as 6.5, and and you can get it as low as 5.5 at FanDuel. Uh, The total is a super low one at 45. I actually like Notre Dame in this game. I think that... Despite the close wins, you know, they narrowly defeat Florida State and Toledo. Last week, they made me look good against Purdue and covered there. I like the first half under 23-point bet there, but I also like Notre Dame in the points here. It it just feels like too many. Um, It's not at Camp Randall. Jack Cohn in a little bit of a, you know, revenge game, former team here. Um, Wisconsin's got a hell of a defense, but I just don't think their offense can keep pace with Notre Dame with Kyle Williams and the uh, weapons that they have for Jack Cohn to throw it to. This one's going to be super low scoring, but I like Notre Dame to win this one by a touchdown. I'm not even going to think twice or, you know, even try to like check myself here. I'm just going to go with my gut and just take the points. Yeah, and I think we've got a lock here too, right? Is Ben on Notre Dame? Oh, we do. Yes, Ben has it at plus six and a half for the Irish. So there's a lock for you. And I yeah. love that pick. I, if he if he or Nick didn't take that, I was thinking about taking it. But that's I think that's a great pick. Same, same. So do you know how many touchdown passes Graham Mertz has this year? Uh, since you're asking me, I'm going to say zero. Zero. He has yeah. not thrown a touchdown pass. They've only completed one more, pass. More NIL dollars than touchdown passes. Exactly, yeah. He's completed one pass over 20 yards this season. Um, oh, boy. And, and so in games against uh, the AP Top 25, he has 185 passing yards. Um, oh. So, look, I mean, Wisconsin's defense, as you said, is elite. I mean, they are a top five defense. I really like their defensive coordinator. And, honestly, Notre Dame has not looked – elite so far this season now we bragged on them in week one and they promptly you know right out of the gate shit the bed against florida state and blew the cover for us but um i still think their roster is every bit as good as wisconsin's if not better um they're a well-coached team it's going to be a low scoring game and the low scoring game and the total is what 45 46 uh Mm -hmm. six and a half points i mean points are at a premium in this game and as you said zach uh, Jack Cohn with in a revenge spot here against Wisconsin on a neutral field. This line's crazy. Um, I know I like to say that the line tells the story in some cases, and obviously Vegas knows better than we do most of the time. But I don't know how you justify laying. I mean, basically, you're asking for a Wisconsin win by a touchdown uh, to cover this. So I don't see that. I don't know how you can justify Wisconsin laying seven here. Um, even if they get out of the game with a win, you're still thinking a three, four point win, something like 23, 20 Wisconsin. Um, I can absolutely see Notre Dame winning outright. And, uh, I think it's probably worth a little money line sprinkle there at plus Mm -hmm. 198 on the money line. That's great value for a team, um, 
I think is every bit as good as Wisconsin. That you know, a turnover may decide this, but it's going to be a field position battle, defensive struggle. Um, there's just no way I can lay the points with the Badgers here. Yeah, and and you know, it, quote unquote neutral site. Um, but I would probably venture to say it's going to lean a little more towards the Irish. Yeah, um, sure. Mm-hmm. In Chicago, a lot of Notre Dame alum right there. The train from South Bend goes right into the 312. Yeah. A lot of Wisconsin folks in Chicago as well. Wisconsin's not that far, but I'm thinking it's yeah. probably going to be 60-40 Notre Dame. Oh, I um, agree. Yeah, it, the, Wisconsin <clears throat> will be well represented, but it's not Camp Randall for sure. Right. Um so, yeah, I, I think that that right there is – I think it's a great pick by Ben, and I think we're both on it there as well, that I think the Irish are going to win this one. I think they're the better team. Um, all right. After that one, looking around the country, let's go over to – we'll stay Big Ten here. Ann Arbor, Michigan, 230, ABC, Rutgers at number 19, Michigan. Rutgers is 3-0. Didn't think we'd be saying that at this point. Michigan is also undefeated. Um, here's some numbers here that are that are pretty interesting. Um, Rutgers' net yards per rush is minus 1.54. That's the fourth worst among Power 5 teams, despite the week schedule that has gotten them to 3-0. Uh, Michigan is just destroying people on the ground. Um, I mean – the uh, his name is escaping me right now. I cannot think of their running back's name. Is it Comer? Let's look it up real quick. Um, Corum, Blake Corum, Corum 407 yeah. yards and seven touchdowns already on the year. He's uh, been kind of doing whatever he wants on the ground. The number is 19 here. I think I'm inclined to lay these. Um, Rutgers' explosive play rate is just 6%. Um, if you can't run the football and you're not getting any explosive plays, I don't really see how you can hang with a top 25 Michigan team, which, look, I'm not ready to say that Michigan's back yet by any means, but they're going to have the better roster. They're going to have the better athletes. I think that this one's probably in, going to end up being a route. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree with you. Rutgers is as fraudulent a three and team as there is in the country. They're so dependent on turnovers and weird field position and stuff that's not really you know replicable against a good team. Um, and Michigan is a good team. I mean, it's easy to to shit on Harbaugh, and God knows we like to, but his roster is pretty solid, and he's a decent coach. He's just never been the coach that people think he is. So um, in this matchup. Michigan loves, Harbaugh loves to absolutely hammer Rutgers whenever they can because Michigan recruits in that Northeastern corridor. Um, Mm -hmm. Not that Rutgers has really ever been on an even playing field when it comes to recruiting with a team like Michigan, but still Harbaugh always likes to send a message in these games. I don't think that changes at all this year. Um, I think Michigan is solid top to bottom. Um, I think, in fact, we'll talk later in the year about it, I'm sure. Uh, on the gambling pod for uh, the Ohio State game. But, you know, depending on the number there, Michigan may hang around this year with Ohio State for the first time since Harbaugh's been there. Um, because yeah. their defense is really solid and they can control the clock with their run game. 
Um, and if Michigan's Ohio, best Ohio receiver, State has a quarterback problem right now. It, exactly, they have a quarterback problem. Ohio State is a, a problem on defense; they can't stop anybody. Um, so, look, if Michigan's best receiver Ronnie Bell was healthy, Michigan might really be a contender in the Big Ten this year. Unfortunately, he's not for them. Um, so, I think Ohio State still squeaks by it. But again, we'll get to that later. And this one, I completely agree with you. I think Harbaugh runs it up, sends a message here. It's like you know, thirty-eight, thirteen. Um, Michigan cruises. I'm going to go ahead and lock it in here. Michigan minus 19. Go like ahead that. and get that. Um, let me see if I can get anything better. And that real quick. Um, no, it looks like the live line is minus 20. So I'm going to have to bump it up, but I think they can hit that. You're still under that key 21, and I don't think it will matter, honestly. Yeah, like you said, Rutgers is as big a fraud as anybody. So I don't feel uh, I don't feel too it, – it's not giving me a full-body shiver like it should. So I'm a, I feel comfortable locking that one in. So Michigan minus 20. All right, next one, um, staying in the Big Ten again. This one's a, kind of a big one. Um, Nebraska at Michigan State. Number 20, Michigan State, put some respect on the Spartans. Um, I want to I ask you here. I have seen a lot of people that are on the points here mm-hmm. and think that Nebraska can hang here. I'm, I feel like this is kind of a little bit of jumping the gun after last week when Oklahoma kind of played with their food a bit. And Spencer Rattler just looked pretty bad. Um, I think this Michigan State team is for real. They have a ton of athletes. Um, I I just – I don't know. Something about that line seems weird to me. Um, I I just – Peyton Thorne has looked good at quarterback. He's thrown for 726 yards and nine touchdowns. Kenneth Walker, the third, is kind of a dark horse Heisman guy right now. Monster. 493 yards, five touchdowns. Um, I'm waiting on some Ole Miss people to wonder why he wasn't recruited because he's from Memphis. Yeah. Um, he, he started at Wake Forest, transferred over to Michigan State, and is having a hell of a year. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. This one's just funky to me. Um, for whatever reason, I, I don't see – how in the world that this Nebraska team that has just been so weird and shitty for the past couple of years can hang with Mel Tucker's team. Um, Mel Tucker's kind of built something that, you know, kind of probably what he's used to being around when he was at Georgia and they were so physical running the football and really playing good defense and hitting you in the mouth. I, I don't want to touch this one as a lock or, or bet any real money on it yet, but I kind of like Michigan State in this spot. Um, it opened at minus three, and now it's up to five. You can get it as low as four and a half. Um, you know, actually, I'm going to do it. I'm going to lock it in. Michigan State minus four and a half. I like I just, it, man. I don't know. I just don't believe in Nebraska. Yeah, I like it. Look, betting on trendy dogs, public dogs, is a great way to go broke. 
and Nebraska this week is a sexy dog. You, I mean, everybody is on the Nebraska side. You can't find anybody backing Michigan State. And I think it's largely a function of their performance, Nebraska's performance against Oklahoma last week. And mm-hmm. I get it. They did keep it close against Oklahoma in a traditional rivalry where, you know, the Sooners look bad on offense as they've looked all year. Rattler is not the same dude. Um, Oklahoma has struggled to move the ball. But it's funny if we're just going to judge based on one game, you know, it's funny that people would use the Oklahoma game as the barometer for whether Nebraska is good rather than, say, the Illinois game where, you know, Nebraska got run out of the stadium against Burt and company there in Champaign. So um, I think Nebraska is closer to the team that got beat in Illinois than they are to the team we saw against Oklahoma last week. Um Michigan State's just got some dudes, man, that like, as you said, that their quarterback doesn't get much love. He should nine touchdowns, no interceptions. He's got a 62 percent completion rate. Um, Look, they just lined up and beat the hell out of Miami last week. Now, Miami may have had better athletes than Michigan State all over the field. It didn't matter. Um, Yeah. So they whipped they whipped Miami. Absolutely. Um, as you said, I think Walker is probably the best running back in the country, or certainly one of the best and maybe the best. But um, I like the contrarian pick here. I like going against the public when they're back in the sexy dog on the road um, against a capable team. You know, Michigan State's no joke, man. Uh, so I can see this like, you know, 31 18 Michigan State where they just sort of jump on Nebraska early and grind them down with the run game, never really uh, let their, let them, let them back in the game. Um, and let's face it, uh, Nebraska has no downfield vertical passing game at all. The only way Nebraska stays in the game is if Martinez can run against Michigan state. And I don't think he'll be able to. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm, I feel much better about it now that you said that. So, all right. Um, Moving on around the country, we've been in the Big Ten for a minute, so let's bounce out and uh, venture to the ACC, Louisville at Florida State. The line is now at – it opened at Louisville minus one, and I believe it is now at Louisville minus one and a half. Um, Florida State is trying to avoid, avoid going 0-4 for the first time and I don't know how long. Uh, I just, whew, um, man, I, I really don't know. I feel like this one is just a gimme. Obviously, Louisville gets whipped by Ole Miss in week one. They come back. They win over Eastern Kentucky and UCF in dramatic fashion. Malik Cunningham is not terrible. He's mobile. He can move around. He can create plays with his legs outside of the pocket. Florida State's just dead in the water right now. Um, it, it's in Tallahassee, but I don't know how much of a home field advantage there's going to be. Um, Florida State can't throw the football. Um, Louisville's secondary is actually not bad. Um, I honestly might circle back on this one if, if you don't take it. Um, but I love Louisville in this game. Yeah. The news that Louisville is the worst team in the country apparently hasn't reached bookmakers yet. Um, (laughs) they have yet to catch up, I guess, but, uh, 
Yeah, here's the deal. Florida State's been dealing with injuries on the offensive line. Um, they reared their ugly head against Wake. We, you know, Florida State couldn't block Wake Forest. That tells you how bad of shape their offensive line was in. Um, they couldn't protect the quarterback. Um, their running game stalled out early and often. If their O-line is healthier, I think they will be a live dog. But if they're missing the same guys, I think Louisville wins. I mean, look, Louisville showed that they're competent offense on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I know that was a high-scoring game against UCF, but UCF's going to do that to most teams they play in that conference, in their conference. And uh, obviously, you know, Louisville gave up some points to Ole Miss, but Ole Miss is going to do that to everybody on their schedule as well. So, you know, Malik Cunningham and the running game are pretty good. As you said, I don't know how much of a home field advantage Florida State's going to have at this point in the season. Um, I suspect fans aren't eager to show up and watch an 0-3 team. Norvell is probably, you know, fills the heat. I don't know if he's coaching for his job quite yet, um, but he may feel that way. It's, it's probably a coin toss if the offensive line is healthier for FSU. If they're not, and we know that by game time, this uh, Louisville minus one feels like a layup. Yeah, I went ahead and locked it in while you were discussing it just then. So I've got my three locks. I got locked it in minus one and a half Cardinals. I just look if I'm proven wrong here because Florida State has this emotional uprising out of the ashes, then so be it. I just don't see it, man. They look people are already calling for Norvell's head. There's apparently a ton of locker room issues you've seen former players on Twitter, on message boards that are pissed saying the players are quitting. Um, yeah. and, and I saw that last week on the field. I mean, Florida State just quit. Like they didn't just almost like they just didn't give a shit. So Norvell is in trouble. I, I like Louisville in this spot. I think that uh, Brian Brown, the defensive coordinator, former almost rebel at Louisville is going to have a really good game plan. And look, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, look, one and a half, I mean, come on. Even if it's a close game, I think Louisville has the edge and can get a, you know, 27-23 win or something. I mean, I feel like this is just easy money. Yeah, and it's not often that Louisville has the chance to go on the road against a team like Florida State, one of the blue bloods of the conference, and get a W, you know. So I think Satterfield and company, you know, they've got this one circled. If you are if you can't kick them while they're down, you're never going to get the chance to kick them. You know what I'm saying? Like, now is the time. Um, so like I said, look for that O-line uh, update. I still don't hate the, the pick either way, Zach. I mean, even if the offensive line is healthy, we saw a relatively healthy offensive line lose against Jacksonville State. So – um, yeah. I, I don't think Louisville is going to get run. At, at worst case, there you're looking for a, you're looking at a coin flip. All right. Um, are there any other national games that you're keeping an eye on? Oh, I got one more we can discuss real quick. I've got all my locks in. We'll get to you, uh, your other two, and then we'll reveal the other uh, five. We've already talked about one events. We'll get Nick's and the other two events here. I like this one a lot. It seems a little too, a little too close to home for me personally, as a big trees guy. But uh, number twenty-four UCLA trying to bounce back after that really, really crazy emotional loss to Fresno State last week. They're on the road on the farm at Stanford. Stanford 
getting four and a half, I believe. Let me double check it because that might be what it opened at. Um, opened at four. It is at four and a half right now. Um, this one's kind of, you know, kind of another, um, maybe it's a trendy dog with maybe a lot of the money going on UCLA bouncing back here. I thought UCLA was looking pretty good earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Beat LSU in the opener. I think Chip Kelly's got them going in the right direction. Dorian Thompson Robinson's a good quarterback for that system. I just think that Stanford's just not going to go away quietly here, especially at home. Um, I, I just, I don't know. This one's kind of fishy. Um, now I think that, Stanford is down some skilled players on offense, so that could factor in here. Um, but man, I, I don't really know where you lean here. Coaching advantage because you got Chip Kelly on one side, you got um, David Shaw on the other. So this one might just be a, a good old fashioned Pac-12 rock fight here. It's an interesting game for sure. I do wonder if Stanford has a little travel fatigue. I mean, they were out in Nashville last week, right? Now they're back mm-hmm. on the West Coast against an in-conference foe after beating an SEC team, albeit, you know, only technically an SEC team in Vanderbilt. But um, Stanford's home field advantage is virtually non-existent. You know what I mean? There may be as many UCLA fans in the crowd as there are Stanford fans. Um, I do wonder what the number would be. Also, if uh, if UCLA hadn't lost to Fresno State last week, I feel like, um, you know, a little of the shine is off UCLA because of that loss. But there's really nothing to be ashamed about there. Fresno State's a good football team. Yeah. I mean, went toe to toe. That was a game we circled as yeah. a fun late night game. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had the over in that one and uh, I didn't make it to the end, but it was a great game um, and took an epic. I mean, just an incredible performance out of Fresno State's quarterback um, to lead his team to a win last week. So I just think, look, say UCLA wins that game last week and covers, I do wonder if the line this week would be like UCLA minus seven or eight. But instead, I think we're getting some value on the Bruins because of that loss. Um, I I agree with you too, though. Look, the last couple of weeks we've seen maybe Stanford's not as bad as we initially suspected after their week one performance. Their quarterback has played really well. They are, I think, short a running back this week or down there starter. Um, and I think maybe even the backup is a little dinged up. If I had to bet it, I think I lay the points with UCLA. Um, but I think it will tell us more about who UCLA actually is. And in turn should tell us about what LSU actually is as well. Um, because UCLA's win over the Tigers uh, to open the season was no fluke. I mean, they mm-hmm. convincingly beat LSU. And so this week, if they drop one to Stanford, if you're an LSU fan, I think you have to wonder what kind of football team you've actually got. Yeah. Um, again, I don't want to touch this one because the injuries that Stanford's dealing with also a revenge game for UCLA after losing in double overtime a year ago after being up by, I believe, 14 under five minutes to play. Um, yeah, that was a I, weird one. I remember that. And I want to say, I can't remember, and this isn't me trying to crow here, but I want to say I weirdly took Stanford live and then won some money on that one last year, just as like a go trees, Hail Mary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting one there. I, I think I lean UCLA getting back off the snide and winning one. Um, is there anything else that tickles your fancy this week 
as far as either a lock or just anything that you're watching on Saturday? I think Texas Tech, Texas is an interesting win for Sark. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, to see what he's got. Got to gotta win one. Exactly. Yeah. Got to win one against a team in Texas. You know, uh, uh, Texas Tech will obviously be up for that game. Um, maybe their last chance to play Texas. Who knows? With conference realignment, I guess we'll see. Um, what's really interesting to me about it is that game opened, I think, with Texas as a 13-point favorite. This is right up Ben's alley here. The game is now seven and a half. So almost a full touchdown move toward the Red Raiders. Um, crazy, crazy move. It's a stay away for me. But with that line movement, you got to feel like, so look, somebody out there thinks they know something and thinks that Texas Tech can hang uh, with, the, with the full six, five-point move, whatever. Um, so we'll see if, if – if, uh, what Sark's got in him, it's, I think, an early kick. So it could be a little sleepy crowd there in Austin. Um, it appears that the Red Raiders are going to be live. So if you're looking for a long shot money line, maybe Texas Tech is, is where you go this week. Yeah, that one is 11 a.m. ABC at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I wonder what the crowd will be like. That early kick, fans may be a little leery of the Sark era early on. Um and I mean, look at say what you want, but Texas Tech's three zero. They've had two close wins, and then they blow out FIU last week. This is their first real test. Um, Tyler Shuck, the transfer from Oregon, thrown for eight hundred four yards and six touchdowns in these three games. Um, so yeah, decent test for for Sark. Um, and yeah, you like you said, early kick. So those always get kind of weird in the Big Twelve early on. Yeah. Um, you want to stay in the I'm... Big 12 for my lock? I've got one here. Okay, um, yeah, fire away. So let's go over TCU and SMU. I think it's 65 and a half. Is that still out there? Let me double check. Type an O and not a zero for the over. Um, SMU. I guess they. Southern Methodist. It's not SMU. Thanks, Vegas Insider. Um, yeah, 65. You can get as low as 65. Let's go over 65 here. So when they played in okay. 2019, SMU won 41 to 38. Now, those, you know, SMU lost some offensive pieces from that team, but they're still pretty potent on offense. They're still running the air raid. They still prefer to chunk it around. Um, TCU, not really complete air raid, but they showed enough against Cal a couple weeks back for me to think they will have no problem scoring against SMU here. There's also been a lot of trash talking this week between the two teams. SMU has said that TCU ducks them and doesn't want to play them. Don't want to be in the conference or doesn't want them in the conference. So I think both teams are going to be motivated. It's the 100th meeting of the iron skillet game here. So this is meaningful for both sides. 65 and a half with a, or 65 flat. With SMU involved, feels really low to me. So let's go like 42 35 TCU. I think we go well over 65. Yeah, it's a Metroplex turf war here. Yeah, absolutely. Recruiting, I like, I like you know, with Sonny Dykes there. I mean, SMU's roster, he's got a ton of Power Five transfers that were Texas kids who left the state to go to school and then now have come back to SMU. I think this may be his blueprint for recruiting going forward. 
and you you don't have much success there if you're not competitive against you know in-state schools including as you said teams in the metroplex so um both of these teams are going to want it man like i don't see either team quitting they're going to play this one to the final whistle and i think they're going to be scoring you know they're going to be piling up points yeah 11 a.m fs1 in fort worth um yeah that's a that's a hell of a game to watch early on um all my locks are done but i'm gonna go ahead and throw this one out here if you're still looking for your final one i love this game wyoming at yukon i don't even want to i don't even want to hear about the time zone difference or any kind of um travel (laughs) hangover here um I think Wyoming can name their score here. For sure. Um, I mean, they kind of stuttered out of the gate, winning by three over Montana State, and then they lost in a weird one. Um, or, excuse me, they they won, but the defense played terrible, beating NIU 50-43. to 43. They were up 42-16 late in the third. Mm-hmm. And NIU – stormed back and Wyoming won that one. Um, UConn is just terrible. They don't even need a football program at this point. They may be the Um, worst team of all time. Seriously. Like they are. Oh yeah. I I think Bill C like did a story on it about how historically bad they are. They've lost to Holy Cross, um, a team that lost by two touchdowns to Merrimack college quickly. Can you tell me where Merrimack college is? Cause I don't know where the fuck that is. No idea. Um, yeah, I, whew, um, Wyoming scored 45 on ball state and I don't think ball state's that bad. I think ball state would beat the hell out of UConn. Um, yeah, I, I, I love what Sean Chambers does at quarterback. Um, I like the pokes here. The line is – it opened at 29 and it is settled at 30. Look, at this point, I'm almost to team lay the points against UConn because they are just dreadful. So, I love going with the pokes here if you're looking for some kind of weird um, just so play just, the points game. You're on the verge of just making it an auto bet every week just against UConn no matter what the number Dude. is. Dude, it yeah. might be. I mean, the the state. Do you know what the stadium is named in uh, stores? No. Are, do they play in stores or is it Hartford? I think it's stores. Yeah, it is Pratt and Whitney Stadium. Pratt and Whitney. I actually knew someone who worked for Pratt and Whitney. They build uh, airplane engines and like okay. do like rocket shit. So well, they're um, certainly certainly getting their money's worth out of that investment <laughs> in stores. Um, yeah, the only thing that makes me hesitant one does, does Wyoming just want to get in and get out, like play a 28 nothing game because they have Air Force on deck, which is kind of a sneaky yeah. little rivalry out in that conference in Mountain West. And Air um, Force is good, yeah, and Air Force is good. And Wyoming goes to Air Force, by the way, so you can imagine them packing it in at halftime, uh, against uh, UConn. So I want to stay away from that one. I'm actually going to go to one marquee game that we didn't really touch on um clemson and nc state oh okay um i just in the uh, research triangle yeah so i just don't think clemson is very good this year man they they struggled last week against georgia and um 
NC State's pretty good despite that fluky loss against Mississippi State early in the season. NC State's a good team top to bottom. Um, they don't have the blue chips that Clemson does, but Clemson's not really doing anything with their blue chips. Um, at NC State, you know, home field advantage here. Uh, if if you're NC State, if not now, then when? If you, if mm-hmm. you can't beat this Clemson team, this version of Clemson that can't score, whose defense has been disappointing, whose offensive line is a mess. If you can't, you can't beat them. If you can't even compete with them, um, you might as well pack it in. I'm getting 10 points here. I think, is that right? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Give me the Wolf Pack plus 10. All right. Howl at the moon, baby. Um, all right. So before we reveal the other locks, there was a semi marquee game that we haven't talked about. Um, I feel like it's, this one's dangerous. I don't think anybody needs to touch this one. And again, talking out of both sides of my mouth, maybe a little bit here, Oklahoma hosting West Virginia, West Virginia defeats Virginia tech at the buzzer last week. Um, the Hokies stormed back and almost, covered for me but they did not um or i think i had the money line actually um went for a fourth and goal couldn't get a score to send it to overtime um oklahoma i'm seeing minus 17 here i'm not saying lay the points but i think a lot of people are looking at the mountaineers here to really muddy the waters if it was in morgantown i would really think about taking the points here, but I think that this is a game 630 ABC that Lincoln Riley is going to really have something up his sleeve. I just think the Sooners have better athletes. I think Rattler, I don't think he's the best quarterback in the country. I think we know who the best quarterback in the country is on this show. Um, But I think he's good enough to carve up West Virginia. Um, and again, I'm not saying they cover the 17, but I think Oklahoma wins. I've just seen a lot of people hyping up West Virginia money line or like West Virginia to really scare Oklahoma, and I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, man, it kind of reminds me of sort of the Nebraska love, right, where you have this mm-hmm. sexy public dog and they're getting two touchdowns plus against a team that hasn't looked great offensively all year, really. Uh, I don't buy. I'm with you. I think at some point Rattler and the OU offense wake up because here's the problem. Look, it's been the offense, right? Their defense, OU's defense is actually really good, like top 10 unit in the country. Um, I don't think West Virginia is going to move the ball against them. So, you know, in years past, you would think that in order to cover this number, Oklahoma would have to put up 50 because their defense was so bad. That's not the case this year. I think if Oklahoma gets to 35, they can cover this. Um, and in fact, I think they do. I'm with you. I think there's like 35, 14 or 35, 17. OU. Yeah. And I was gonna ESPN's got to just do a better job of making the SP plus rankings. Oh dude, it's buried. Yeah. You, you've got to like, like, please yeah. make it easier to find ESPN. If, if you're listening to this, Bill C, I, I know you're a, a a fan and a friend of the program. Um, but man, help us out and just make it easier to find. I can't, I'm just going to Google it. Um, it's, it's so frustrating that they, they can't 
make it readily available. All right, after week three. Good Lord, this is good pod. Um, Oklahoma, 17th in the country defensively, SP+. Plus. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it, 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 people want to just – and for good reason, because Oklahoma historically is just – we're just going to score the shit out of it and just hope that the defense gets a couple stops. But yeah, they're top 20 right now in defense. Um, if you compare that to West Virginia offensively, uh, they might be West VU. W-D-U-I. Can you, can you isolate their rushing defense stats? Because that's the thing, too, with West Virginia. They can't throw the ball downfield. There's absolutely no vertical passing game there. They're going to have to run the ball to stay in the game. And I don't think they can against OU's front. Let's look it up real quick. Rushing defense. Number one in the country, Wisconsin and Jim Leonard. Done mm-hmm. a hell of a job. Big fan. Uh, what, Jim? Does uh, West Virginia rush defense 34th? So not bad. Not bad. Um, let's look at pass defenses. Now I'm interested and in see what they – passing yards. Western Kentucky, ninth in the country. How about that? Passing that, look, that's a sneaky one, too. They we're going to we're, we're get to the Hilltoppers here. Yeah. West Virginia is 61st in the country in passing yards. They give up six, uh, nearly uh, pretty much seven yards an attempt, 11 yards per completion, and over 200 a game. So not terrible. I mean, Ole Miss is 66th. But, I mean, hell, if you're close to Ole Miss defensively, that's not really anything to brag about. Yeah, um, it's not like um, West Virginia has played a killer schedule so far either. Sure. I mean, you know, Virginia Tech, um, it's a good win at home for West Virginia last week. But yeah, b- before that, they had LIU, and then um, they were at Maryland to open the year. And Maryland's okay. But, again, of, of, the, of the games they've played thus far, Oklahoma will be far and away the best team. All right, so the other locks that we have not gotten to, Ben, we mentioned he has Notre Dame plus six and a half. Love that. Um, Liberty, he has Liberty and Syracuse over 53 and a half. Um, I've seen a lot of people on Syracuse plus six and a half. People think this one's going to be a little low scoring, so maybe not kind to Ben's over bet here. Um, Syracuse is been better. Uh, Sean Tucker's run for 367 yards and six touchdowns. Um, they're only allowing 16, pretty much right at 17 points per game and a little over 224 yards of offense per game. So the defense has been great. Um, I mean, you know what Malik Willis does at quarterback for Liberty, um, but it's at Syracuse. It's in the dome. Uh, weird things always happen up there at the Carrier Dome. So this one could be a little uh, a little tricky for Ben if he's going for the over here. Do you have any pulse on this one? Well, Liberty won last year, thirty eight to twenty one. Um, it always does feel like too in games against Power Five teams. I think Hugh Freeze makes it a point to send a message in those games. I don't know that for sure, and I don't think he's ever commented on it publicly or said anything to that effect. But it does feel like he thinks these are statement games for. Um, both he, Hugh Freeze, and his program. So 
I don't know. I, I, Liberty's defense has actually been pretty salty this year, and I don't know if Syracuse can score. I'm rooting for Ben there. I mean, you got you know you're in a dome, so ideal conditions. Um, I think Liberty may need to do the heavy lifting on that number because Syracuse has been, as I said, pretty inept offensively. Uh, but I don't think it's out of the question to to say Liberty goes for what 35 or 42. So you're not asking for a lot out of Syracuse at that point. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah that that number gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies, but um, I don't hate it because Malik Willis and them could go off and score 38, 40 on their own, and then Syracuse adds in you know 17, 20, and then you're good. Yeah. Um, By the way, freezes uh, freezes 67, 35, and one against the number in his career. Oh, okay. Seems like Maybe a guy he, who actually uh, follows the line, like, right? Yeah. 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 Maybe. Um, the other one, Ben, is on Bowling Green, Minnesota, over 50 and a half. Um, I don't hate it. The Falcons can score a good bit. Minnesota's really not that bad. Um, and then, like you said, you were talking about the number. Um, I mean, the average total is close to what you say, 56. And that's 56, under it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I don't hate that. Like a 38-24 win for Minnesota, and you're good. Yeah, exactly. Once you go under that 56 number in college football, you need really good defenses. You know, you got to feel certain that the deep, you're going to get solid defensive effort on both sides of the ball. So I'm kind of with Ben here. If if I had to attack the number, it's definitely over. Yeah, you got to have really good defenses, or you got to be really peeking at the radar, mm-hmm. like for some weird weather. Exactly. All right, on yeah. to. Uh, on to Nicholas here as we head to close the show. He's got Iowa minus 13 first half. Um, the Hawkeyes here um, taking on the Colorado State Rams. Um, I would probably also piggyback off of Nick here on the first half. I would lay the points on this one as well if you're looking for a freebie. Uh, Iowa is looking rather salty early on. Um I see it as low as minus 23 per parents in, in year 49 or whatever it is um, in Iowa City. Uh, they're 3-0. and um, They've looked really, really good early on. They beat a good Indiana team in week one, whipped Iowa State in Ames, and then uh, beat Kent State last week. Um, Spencer Petrus has looked good at quarterback. Tyler Goodson can run the football. Just a just Iowa football, baby. Just just defense and just play action football. Um, the Rams suck. They lost to Vandy. So I mean, shit. That could be close to being an auto bet from here on out. Yeah. So Colorado State was they were at Vandy two weeks ago, right? Or no, I'm sorry, that was a home game. So they were at Toledo yeah. last week. Toledo last week, and now they're in Iowa City. So like is somebody on Colorado State's roster, like they're like evading warrants. Like <laughs> I could see Iowa winning like twenty-four to nothing here. I, I completely stay away from the number, but I'm with you. I could absolutely see Iowa pitching a shutout. Oh man, yeah, I, I, I yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just don't. Yeah, hey, Colorado State's bad. Um. All right, Nick is also we, – we talked about the Hilltoppers earlier. We said we'd circle back, and here we are. He's on the Hilltoppers plus nine. Um, and I don't even know who they play. 
Indiana. Uh, oh, Indiana. Island. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's at. Uh, I don't even know how you say this. Houshens Industries. Uh, uh, yeah. Good their, their stadium is a mouthful. Um, yeah. I mean, this one's in Bowling Green. Seven o'clock. CBS Sports Network. Can Indiana kind of figure it out here? Um, Hoosiers one and two. Um, Penix has been kind of banged up. He's cleared to play this week. Um, kind of a bit of a trap game here. Um, and Penix has been okay. Um, Stephen Carr, the transfer, has been decent. He's run the ball pretty well. Um for those of you that, that aren't familiar with who Mr. Carr is, he uh, formerly of the Southern Cal Trojans. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in Bloomington now. Western Kentucky, though, nothing to kind of sneeze at here. Um, they're not terrible. Bailey Zappa, the quarterback, thrown for uh, almost 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, the Hilltoppers can score it, so I don't hate this pick at all by Nick. I kind of love it. Yeah, it's uh, Nick was paying attention way back in week zero when we mentioned Western Kentucky's offense. So they took the quarterback, I think the top two receivers, and the offensive coordinator from that. Is it Houston Baptist or Dallas Baptist? I'm drawing a blank now. Who was the uh, FCS program that took? Pretty Texas? sure it's Houston because Houston we, we we all got it mixed up. So Houston Baptist was the FCS football program that scored a ton against Texas Tech. Yeah. Dallas yeah, so Baptist is the baseball program. Baseball program. That's right. So, so Zap, the receivers, and the offensive coordinator all came from Houston Baptist. So they basically just imported that entire offense into Western Kentucky's offense. Yeah. Play so, immediately, baby. Yeah. And they're putting up sick numbers. Now, their defense is still, you know, not great. So if I'm Nick, I'm a little worried about um, that defense going against a quality power five unit. Um, in Indiana, but you got to think the back door is going to be open with the style of football that Indiana plays and sort of Tom Allen's personality and their offensive philosophy. Um, you know, Indiana's up 10 late. I can absolutely see um, Western Kentucky kicking in the back door. Um, mm-hmm. So g- good luck on that one, Nick. His last one, and I mean, this one is just chef's kiss. This is this is why we bet. Um the UNLV running Rebs covering 30 and a half against Fresno State. I love this because Fresno State coming off that emotional comeback against UCLA last week. I mean, that was just, I mean, hashtag college football with that one. I mean, that was yeah. just a fun game. Just the quarterback battling through an injury at the buzzer throws a game winning touchdown. I love this pick. It's uh, it's at Fresno it's in the Valley, but I, I love the running rubs to at least put up some kind of fight to cover the 30 and a half here. It's a giant number. You have to think, you know, Fresno state is off the biggest win of the year. You know, they've been yeah. grinding all season, trying to beat power five schools, uh, pack 12 schools, you know, played Oregon to the wire finally gets a win against uh, P5 school in UCLA. They're probably a little banged up. Didn't Fresno's quarterback have some injuries late in that game against UCLA? Yeah, he was, he was uh, really, really struggling. Um, yeah. After the touchdown, I mean, he collapsed I don't, out of emotion, but also I think he was a little injured. Yeah, I think he had a lower body injury. So, um, 
you know, maybe he doesn't even play, but for a half and they, they keep some ammo dry for their conference run because look, they're Fresno state's a contender in the mountain West now. So, um, no real reason to run it up on UNLV. The thing I would worry about if I'm Nick is can UNLV get me any points? So they've only right. outside of their opener against Eastern Washington, which I think with the double overtime, they scored 33 points in double overtime, right? Against Arizona, they put up 10. Against Iowa State, they put up three. So you're going to need UNLV, I think, to get to 14 or 17. But yeah. uh, assuming they do, yeah. I'd take the points here. I certainly wouldn't lay them. All right. Uh, a couple freebies here because we're down a couple guys in the show. I feel like we need to throw out a couple um, just because we, we didn't have the other two guys here with us to, to feed us some more games to talk about. I like a couple here. Um, I'll start with this one. The UT San Antonio Roadrunners at the fairgrounds at the Liberty hole against Memphis could be a bit of a hangover here, but also the Roadrunners aren't bad. Not at all. They really are, good running back. Yeah. I mean, one of the better stories in college football through a couple weeks, um, I Tigers have won 17 straight at the Liberty bowl, which is a crazy number. Um, but UT San Antonio, uh, Frank Harris at quarterback, uh, he, he has got a nice thing going over there. Um, now, Memphis did beat Mississippi State last week. A little bit of officiating help. Um, sure. They only threw for 159 yards, and they only ran for 87. Now, I know it was Mississippi State and, and Zach Arnett, and they've got SEC athletes. They've got a pretty solid defense. But with UT San Antonio coming in, Road underdog going for the upset. Um, I like what Jeff Trailer and them have done over there. This could be kind of a sneaky money line pick here. Um, the number's only three. Um, I, I like the Roadrunners here. No, oh, I love the money line pick. I'd take the points for insurance. As you said, I look, both teams, both Memphis and UTSA, were involved in um, some misleading games last week. Um, state. Had 26 first downs to Memphis's 12 last week. State had 468 yards to Memphis's 246 yards last week. Mm -hmm. um, and Memphis somehow still gets the win. I think we all know how they got the win. And the answer is hilariously. That's how they got the win. But yeah. um, same for UTSA. Middle Tennessee really didn't do much until the final like four minutes of that game. And then they scored two quick touchdowns, got 123 yards on those drives. And suddenly, you know, the game flips. So I think UTSA may be the better team. I think they can control the clock with their run game. Um, I like the money line. I'm with you, Zach. And I'd take the three again for some insurance there. But if you want to put a little half unit or something on the money line, I think it'd be a, a good investment. I've got another one too. I, I really considered locking this one in. Um, I moved on from it because, look, I bet on this team in week one, they lose for me. I bet against this team last week, they beat me. For some reason, I'm never on the right side of North Carolina, but I like them again, oh, again this week. Um, Georgia Tech off of a great effort last week against Clemson, left everything on the field, but you got to think much like Florida there will be, much like Florida after their game against Alabama, there will be a hangover here with Georgia Tech, both physically and psychologically. 
Um, Georgia Tech, you know, doesn't have the roster uh, to sustain, you know, injuries or bumps and bruises uh, after a game against, you know, the bully on the block in the ACC and Clemson. Um, North Carolina seems to maybe have finally found their footing. You know, they ended up throttling Virginia last week after being down at halftime. I think Longo's finally found something. Their defense is kind of rounding into form. Again, they gave up some points to Virginia, but um, their defensive line is young and coming around. I don't think Georgia Tech um, is nearly as good as Virginia. So less than two touchdowns um, on the road for North Carolina. It's not like Georgia Tech's a very hostile environment at all. I think they're going to be down after the near miss against Clemson. Um so I like the Tar Heels here under um, 14. I think it's at 12 and a half. Yeah, I love that. Um, I was actually going to bring that one up. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've done this before, but I'm going to do a live switcheroo here. And, and not because I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to replace my Michigan lock um, with Air Force minus three and a half against Florida Atlantic. I really That's don't know weird. what else. I really don't know what else there is to say here. Um, Air Force runs the shit out of the football. They average 347 yards on the ground, 34 points per game. FAU is traveling to Colorado Springs to take on a really good running offense at night. I just don't know if FAU can really hang here, and it's only three and a half. I think Air Force kind of sneaky just rolls over FAU here. Um, I, I, I was going to bring this one up. And then the more I looked at it while you were talking just now, I, I love this one. So I'm laying them here. Air force minus three and a half at home against FAU. Yeah. I like taking a team like air force against a team that really never plays at altitude, you know, in elevation at all. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, FAU's schedule year in and year out is usually against teams in the deep South. Um, mm-hmm. So they're going to go play, you know, up at elevation against a team who's going to be diving at their ankles all game. Um, Easy to get winded, easy to get frustrated, easy to quit against the triple option offense, especially when you don't see it very often. I don't think FAU plays it at all. Is any other team on their schedule a triple option offense? Um, I don't think so. So, you know, what by the third quarter, early fourth quarter, how motivated are FSU's guys going to be and, you know, stopping that last drive or, or shutting down uh, air force as they're driving late. I'm with you there. That, that basically you're saying a pick them on a neutral. I'm not even sure about that. I think air force may be the better team period, but um, given those other factors, I like that pick. Yeah. Um, and, and I was looking at it too. I mean, Utah state had a late touchdown to beat air force last week for their first loss of the year, but I mean, air force still scored 45. Yeah, exactly. Running, running the triple option. So, um, I think at some point just, uh, the, the option is just going to take its toll there. All right. Running through the locks for week four, we've got Missouri minus one and a half TCU SMU over 65 NC state plus 10. Liberty Syracuse over 53 and a half. Notre Dame plus six and a half. Bowling Green, Minnesota over 50 and a half. Iowa minus 13. First half, Western Kentucky plus nine. UNLV plus 30 and a half. Air Force minus three and a half. Michigan State minus four and a half. And Louisville minus one and a half. So 
kind of a sneaky good week four. It's not a ton of great games or a ton of ranked matchups, but a lot of interesting, intriguing storylines betting wise for week four. So I, I love it. Yeah, look, it's a long season, but I think week four, we're going to start to find out, you know, what teams are, what their identities are. You talk about LSU, Mississippi State, UCLA, Stanford, Texas, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. I mean, I think we're going to we're going to figure out who's for real and who's not. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for week four. Uh, Like we said, Nick and Ben will be back next week for week five as Ole Miss fans know there is a awfully big one around the corner. We'll be back next week to talk all about it and give you the rest of our locks in week five, but that is going to do it for week four. Thanks to Austin over there for joining me. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in, and thanks, as always, to our lovely sponsors for making it all possible. For Austin over there, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion and the Legal Gambling Council. Thank you all for listening. We 